0: Well, it's just another day in the body of Christ today, and uh, nothing new under the sun. But there's a lot of things being revealed and shaken and exposed, and uh, so it's a great time for us to be believers. Some of you know that. You were called into the kingdom for such a time as this. I, I was drawn this morning to 1 Corinthians 16:13. It says, watch. Watch. Be alert. Be awake. Don't sleep in this time. If you're asleep in this hour, oh, God have mercy. I don't know that it's uh, possible. But then some probably are just dozing through this hour. But watch. Stand fast in the faith. In the faith, the true faith, once and for all was delivered to the saints. Be brave we going to have to be brave in this hour. How I many of you know that? Chickens won't probably make it through the storms that are coming. And be strong. And the only way I know to be strong is confess your weakness. Let Jesus be your strength. And just let Him be your all in all. Because we're weak, but He's strong. And uh, we confess our strength in Him. And then it says, let all that you do be done in love. All that you do. So that's going to be the challenge this morning is do it all in love. But it's not a challenge because the one who is loved lives inside of us. So it's actually going to be a lot easier in this day than uh, what people tell us. It's going to be the greatest hour. You're looking at me like, what in the world are you about to say? So let's pray and let's just go into it. Because I don't want to preach too much. I mean, there may be a little preach come on me. That would be okay with me. But I want to be a pastor you know, you, you can't let just anything come. I mean, I'm gonna, you know I'm going to give an account one day for the sheep. The sh- I mean, that's just the way it is. And uh, so, Lord, we thank You for this morning. Thank You for all that's going on in our nation, in the body of Christ. Lord, as we were reminded, this is not the work of the devil. This, God, You said You would shake everything that can be shaken. And, uh, Lord, we thank You that You are drawing us back. To the Word of our God, those ancient words that, is, that are forever, eternal. Men will come and men will go. All the flesh is as the grass, it withers, but the Word of our God endures forever. So, Lord, we ask for the anointing, we ask for grace, and we ask for what the Scripture says. Let all things be done in love as we are watching and, uh, Lord, as we are standing fast in the faith in this hour. Lord, I thank You. You're raising up a people that come hell or high water. They're not going to be shaken. They're going to be standing. Because You've called us into the kingdom which cannot be shaken. And so we honor You, Jesus. That's why we've come, to honor the Lamb of God, the Lamb of glory. Well, thank You for bringing a young man from Moravia. That's pretty awesome, Lord. And we just bless him. And we are grateful, Lord, that we get to We're not Moravians, we're just disciples, but we, Lord, we want to walk in that foundation that they set before us. And we honor you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's pretty amazing you're here. And uh, from Moravia. Yeah. And his name means joy and peace. I I can't pronounce his name, but but, uh, Mark said that it, it means joy and peace, right? So joy and peace has been sent our way today from Moravia, And I do want to speak into some things. You know, what was it about two months ago we had a young man here, Stephen Powell. And um, I just really, I never met him, but I knew we were supposed to connect with him. And so we invited him to speak and I was blown away. He was the anointing on the young man. And then he, um, he shared a little bit. He shared with me a little bit more after, but he had some encounter. People come here and they have encounters with God. The heavens are open. They tell us that all the time. It's an encouragement and, uh, you know, we just want to walk under that open heaven. And as long as he's Lord and we're walking in the truth and the light, it is open. But anyway, he had a pretty incredible encounter with God. He saw one of the leaders, one of the men, and he saw basically sin in the camp. Sin in the house, not in this house. You know, we want God to search us and try us, but he was looking at a little larger realm of where there was sin and that God was calling him to take a stand and expose it and also regarding some things, the failure of leadership to answer and to, uh, to bring out the truth. Now, we're not here to take sides this morning, okay? Everybody, how many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you don't know what I'm talking about? You don't know what I'm talking about. Just be specific. The specific is what was exposed with Todd Bentley. But we're not here this morning to take sides. In fact, I'm just going to touch on it because we have to. I, you know, I, just my responsibility. You could come and do this for me if you'd like. I would, I would surrender. I would, you know. But I'm not going to give it up because I'm called to this hour. And uh, but we have. To, we're not here to take sides. We're not. You know, we got to stop trusting in what men's opinions are. And men's posts tell us. It's not the, the posting of men on Facebook that matters. It's the Word of God that is eternal that matters. Now, but also the Scripture says in Psalm 18, 7, the, the first one to plead his cause seems right. Until his neighbor comes and examines him. You ever notice when somebody comes and tells you, you know, this is the way something is. You're absolutely convinced and then somebody else comes, they say, you, no, know, no, that's not the way it is. This is the way it is. Then you don't, know, you don't know which way it is. So you need to keep that in mind. That's a wise proverb. But I want to speak as to what God says. So that's what I want to do. I want to draw attention to what the Word of the Lord. You know, Jeremiah said, woe unto us if we don't preach the Word. If we don't give the answers that God has given us. We speak His Word. The Word of God should be like a fire in our bones. Weary of holding it in. And that's what God's doing, I believe, in this hour. He's filling us with the Word. You're not going to keep us quiet. Now, there comes a time we should be quiet. Do you know the Scripture says, Be slow to speak, swift to hear. Then other times you've got to be swift to speak because it's just what you're commanded. But Amos 2.4 says, Because they despise the law, the Word of the Lord, they've not kept my testimonies, their lies, not my word, has led them astray. So you can be led astray by the words of men, but you'll never be led astray by the word of God. And then Isaiah 58:1, he says, "Cry aloud, spare not, Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Judah their sin. How I many of you know that's part of our job. You don't whitewash sin. you don't explain it away. And by the way, It's not a good idea to go into leadership today unless you really are called into leadership. Do you know, to much is given, much is required. He says, don't even desire to be a teacher, because with that responsibility comes a greater judgment. And so, the men that stand in the pulpits, they're not going to get away with just living any which way. They're going to be held to a higher standard. And the standard is God's Word. Well, What in the world is God doing today? I'm not going to get it. I don't know how much. I hope I don't say too much. But I hope I say just enough that needs to be said. You know what I'm talking about. Because if you say too much, then you could be in trouble with God. I don't care if I'm in trouble with man. Because one day I'm going to stand before God. I'm not going to stand before a board. I used to tell the deacons this when I was a Baptist way back a long time ago. And it did not gain me any popularity in that church. I said, I'm not going to stand before the deacon board, you know, one day. That did not make me very popular in that church, you know, but, but I'm in it. I'm in it. But if you think about this. Isaiah 61, what does it say? Arise and shine, for your light is come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. How many of you know that's our, that's the calling, that's the purpose, that's where we're going? Do you know what comes before that? You ever read, in fact, that scripture I read was Isaiah 58. But Isaiah 59 talks about when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord's going to do something about it. What's He going to do about it? He's going to raise a standard. What's the standard? We've looked at this before. The Redeemer, it says the Redeemer will come, but also the, the standard is the truth. So what do you do when you have, answer, when you have question, more questions than you have answers? You go to the Word of God because the Word of God is true. Now, this is what I believe God's doing. Look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. You guys giving me grace, right? You're with me? Everybody's on the same page. Well, when you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, you'll be on the same page. But but look with me, if you would. We have to look. What is God saying in this hour? Here's what I believe He's saying. Verse 1. It is actually reported that there's sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as it is not even named among the lost or the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife. Now, that was the particular case in this occasion. And you're puffed up, proud, and you have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent in body but present in spirit, have already judged... As though I were present him who has so done this deed in the name of the Lord. Then he goes on and he talks about a very serious thing. You surrender that person to the power. You know, it's really a major serious scripture. But then look down in verse 7. And we'll come back when we have more time. This is one of those things. If you're going to open this can, you have to be able to make sure you close it properly. So we'll open that at a different day. But look in verse 7. Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you are truly unleavened, for Christ indeed is our Passover. And then look uh, down in verse 9. It says, I wrote to you in my epistle, and not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Now, this is the way we're to treat sexually immoral among the house of God. I'm just going to, can I just read the word? I'm not preaching, I'm just reading the word. Verse 10, yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or the extortioners or the idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. How many of you know Jesus called us to be in the world? We're not of it, but we're in it. So therefore, we need to know how to act in the world as the body of Christ. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother, who is a sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a drunkard for what have i to do with judging those also who are outside do you not judge those who are inside now what did he say there he said you're supposed to judge those who are inside but those who are outside god judges therefore put away from yourself the evil person i think that's an interesting scripture in the times in which we're living now look over in first uh, peter chapter 4 Now, here's what I really believe God's saying. Because we're not taking sides and we're not pointing fingers. We're just going to read the Word so we'll know how to act in this hour. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. This is a word for the moment. For the time has come. Say, the time has come. For judgment to begin where? At the house of God. Now, this is serious. And if it begins with us first... What will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel or the good news? The gospel is the word good news. They do not obey the gospel of God. Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, is this the New Testament or Old Testament? It's the New Testament. Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? So my position in all of this is God bring it on. Let judgment begin in the house of God because the sooner it begins among us, the sooner you can get on with business in the world. And so we have to judge ourselves lest we be judged. You know, that's a, you're going to have to walk in holiness and purity in this hour or you're probably going to get exposed some way or the other. It's not a time to hide your sin. He's coming for a bride without spot and without blemish. He's not coming for a bride in bed... For a bride in bed with the world. He's coming for a bride that's looking for Him. And they've they've got on those garments of righteousness. Now I know people say, well, that righteousness is just imputed or imparted. Well, I understand that. But He said, seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We're to walk in righteousness. And I'm going to show you that in a little bit. Now I'm going to be in this Word going back to this subject from time to time. But we've got to get on with it because we've got to get ready. Say, we've got to get ready. This is an hour unlike any other. We can't stay too long caught up in all the issues of the world. Even the things that are being exposed in the church, we may have to address these things, but we've got to be about our Father's business. I read this week, someone said, and I have a lot of respect for this person, they said that the great falling away is almost come to its conclusion. And at the same time, God is preparing a people that He's going to raise up out of obscurity and hiddenness to do His will, which is to see a great harvest of souls in this hour, in this generation. And I believe God is getting us ready to do it. Listen, it's not about a personality. Personalities, if you lift them up too much, they're going to fall right in front of you. It's not about personalities. It's not about the latest program. How many of you know the church has had all the greatest, especially the American church? We've got the greatest programs money can buy. We've got a program for this and we got a program for that. It's not about your position. It's not about popularity. It's about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to go with me to the book of Habakkuk. How many of you have read the book of Habakkuk? How many of you have not read the book of Habakkuk? When you get to heaven, you're going to meet Habakkuk. And he's going to ask you, did you read my book? And you, you know, you would be awful embarrassed. No, I never read your book, Habakkuk. You know, was it a bestseller? You know, was it on Amazon? You know, it's really true. You need to read Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 1 I'll read verse 2 in just a moment, but let me just tell you what's happening, because I'm actually going to focus on chapter 2. Is it okay if I just be real? I mean, I try to... I'm always... I don't want to be anything but real. I don't want to be fake. I wrote an article this week on fake Christian news. I had to do it. God put it in my heart. And, uh, you know, there's fake... Actually, I don't know if it's Christian news, but it's it's so-called Christian news. Because if it's Christ, real, real Christian, it's not going to be faith. It's going to be the truth. But anyway, here's what's happening in the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk's ministering to the nation of Judah. As the nation of Judah is plummeting, they've turned their backs on God, and judgment is around the corner. And there's no justice, there's no uh, righteousness in the land and so Habakkuk is crying out to God, how long is this going to be? How long are you going to put up with this? You ever thought about that something like that? God, how much? How long are you going to turn your back and just put up with all that's going on, all the foolishness? Verse 2, that's what he says. O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention that is arising. In other words, there was political contention. There was contention among the, the people of God. And he's crying out. He's saying, God, when are you going to come and answer all of this stuff? And then over in chapter 2 in verse 1, here's what he says. He says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. And I will watch to see what he will say to me. And what I will answer when I am corrected. Do you know it's a good thing to be disciplined of the Lord? How many of you know that? But it's not enough to be disciplined. We have to respond correctly to the discipline. You don't want to just get an old-fashioned whipping. You want to be changed because you got the whipping. So you don't have to get a harder whipping. How many of you know that? You know, we need to hear stuff like this. You ever been taken out to the woodshed by God? Anybody like anybody in here? Maybe we're preaching a foreign language in this hour. God doesn't do that anymore. I know God is a real pushover now, and He's, you know, really soft on, on sin and He allows sin among His leaders. He has not, no, listen, He's He's not soft on sin. And He will take you out. He will discipline those whom He loves. If He doesn't love you, then you're not going to be disciplined. That's when you should be upset. It's when you're disciplined that you know I must be a son or a daughter of God because He won't let me get away with this. And so it's a good thing to be disciplined. But He says that I may answer when I'm corrected. Now I want to shift gears just a little bit and then kind of touch on what I'm talking about. And then we've got to bring it all to what, is, what are we supposed to be doing in this hour because I believe we're supposed to be getting ready for a great harvest of souls. A few weeks ago, if you could, those of you that weren't here... We had a baptismal set up over here. There it is back there. And I remember seeing well, there'll be a day when the line's going to be really long with people being baptized. We baptized 130 something people over two nights. Now it wasn't first time baptism. And I'm going to try to explain that. But it's something that I believe that God is doing now. There's something happening all over. When I was in Georgia this week, I found out it's not only happening in Dawsonville, Georgia. It's happening in Louisiana. It's happening in Texas. There are things going on in Pennsylvania. Can you believe God is moving in Pennsylvania? (laughs) Virginia, Maryland, many places right now. And I want to get in on it. I want to get in on it. That's all I know. I want to get in on it. It was an amazing two nights. And I got baptized Monday night myself. First time since I was a nine-year-old boy. And I'll tell you in a minute what happened. It was amazing. I'm glad somebody was there to catch me because I would have drowned. No, really, I would have drowned. I just went under the water. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know what day it was. I couldn't even find Shirley when I finally woke up. First, I was thankful that somebody was holding me. And then secondly, I said, where's my wife? Where is she? I didn't know where she was. They said, she's gone. And there was somebody else walked by it. I didn't know the water. I didn't, hear, I didn't hear anything. It was an amazing time. My personal opinion is I was marked. I was baptized into this move of God. And I ain't going to let anybody talk me out of it. I'm going to get ready. I'm going to get ready. We're gonna see, I'm telling you, what we saw that night ain't nothing compared to what's coming. We're going to have to figure out a way to have stopping stations or something. Along the way. But let me get back on course. Because, you know, all of us should have vision. You've got to at least know where you're going, at least for the rest of the day. Most people don't even know where they're going to lunch. But you need to have a little vision. Without vision, you'll do your own thing. How many of you know that? It says, unless, you know, if you don't have vision, you'll cast off restraint. The people perish for a lack of vision. So we need, and that word means prophetic revelation. So we need prophetic revelation from God to know where we're going, what He wants us to do. And that's what I believe, that Habakkuk, God is speaking to him in this. Let me me read verse 2 through 4, and then we're going to look at it and then go from there. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. Now, that's really, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but how many of you know that's really true? Things God tells you often are not for that very moment that He told you. Sometimes it's for an appointed time. So you have to know how to respond until that appointment comes to pass. He goes on, he says, but at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, do what? Wait for it. No, quit, leave, throw in the towel. No, that's not what it says. Wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his his faith. Now, we need to know, what do we do when God gives us vision? He's given us an assignment. How many of you know at least part of what your assignment is? Some of you. How many of you are still looking? You know, all oh, we're still looking for the ultimate purpose. I don't know that we're going to find out the whole thing. We just, basically, we see Him. We follow the Lamb wherever He goes. And God will take care of those things. But there is some vision that He wants us to have. So how are we going to walk out the things that God's called us to? Number one, stand your watch. Stand your watch. Get in the place where God can speak to you. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice, and another voice they will not follow. How many of you know there are many voices speaking to us in this hour? Especially if you look on Facebook. You will find the latest latest voice that's telling you exactly what you should believe and what you should do. But if you listen to all those voices, you might miss the one who's speaking the, the truth to you. He said, my sheep hear my voice. My voice. That voice you may never hear on Facebook. Now you might, I don't know, you might. You know, somebody might be speaking, thus saith the Lord. I'll never forget the day in seminary when I was just a Baptist. You know, in those days, I knew that God wrote a book, but I didn't know He had a voice. But then I learned that He had a voice. But I remember He spoke. Somebody asked a question in class. They stood up. They said, when is God going to raise up those who's going to speak, thus saith the Lord again? And I was sitting back there thinking, man, I want to be one of them. I want to be one of them. God, here am I. I'm signing up today in class to speak, thus saith the Lord. Because there's a thus, there's a lot of thus saith every man and woman. How I many of you know the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar? That doesn't mean every man's a liar. Except when they disagree with what God said. So number one, stand your watch. Some of you need to just carve out some time and get away with God and just listen to God alone. Stand your watch. And then number two, you must have an expectancy. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say. You've got to have expectancy. You've got to believe that God is going to speak to you. Listen. Listen. There are no super saints. There are no elite among us. The only super elite among us, His name is Jesus. That's one of the problems. We've been promoting and elevating men above God. It's called religious, spiritual idolatry. He's the elite one. And the the attention has to be on Him. I'm just who He's made me to be. You're just who He's made you to be. We're the body. All of us are part of the body. We all have our function. We all have a part. But we have an expectancy to hear from God. I've got to tell you this because Mark is here and he knows all about this. I was going to go to Uganda. I wanted to go to Uganda. I was invited to go to Uganda. I was looking forward to going to Uganda. And then I had lunch. What was it? Three weeks ago, two weeks ago with Pastor Jerry from Kansas. He's sitting right back there where Don and Margaret are. And so he we went out to lunch and he, he told me, he said, David, i got a word for you. You're not supposed to get that yellow fever shot. I would not get it. I don't advise you to get the yellow fever shot. And so he told me why. and The problem was we were going that night to spend the night in Charlotte so the next morning we wouldn't have to drive on 77 because I was going to get my yellow fever shot. And I was asking God, now, God, if I don't get my yellow fever shot, I can't go to Uganda. I want to go to Uganda. I want to go bad. And they've already made plans. So anyway, I said, God, would you give me a dream tonight? You know what he told me? No. I'm not going to give you a dream. He said, this is what he told me in my heart. I'm going to speak to you when you read your word in the morning. Read the word. Not your Word, but my Word. When you read your Word, you know what I mean. The next portion of Scripture. So I thought, well, that'll work. Because He often does that. And so the next morning, I was just happened to be reading in the Word. And the Word said, from Proverbs 19, 27, Cease listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. And God said, you know what? That guy was not only giving you advice, He was giving you a word of knowledge. And if you cease listening to instruction... Then you will stray from the word of knowledge. And then just a couple verses before that, it said, many are the plans of a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. And then right above that, it said, listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. Now, it's not just the latter days of your life. It's probably the latter days on the earth. You better listen to instruction and listen to counsel, especially this hour. So what did I do? I believe God spoke to me. You know, the highest way that God speaks to you is not through a dream or a vision. How many of you know that? Now, He may give you a dream or a vision. The highest, most authority that God will ever speak to you will come from the pages of God's Word. I just heard a few amens, I'm telling you. The highest way that God will ever speak to you will come from the Bible. to come from the Holy Spirit quickening the Scriptures to you. The Logos becoming Rhema. And you know what's happened today. Many people have set aside the Bible. And they're looking for all the supernatural. And God says, if you'll go back to the Bible, you'll get all the supernatural you can handle. Anyway, we've got to learn to listen to God. And then next, be ready to respond. And we already touched on that. Because He says, I've got to be ready to give an answer. It's not enough to hear the Word of the Lord. You've got to be able to answer what God has spoken to you. This is not story hour. This is not a library. You know, we're not just telling stories. We're trying to hear, Thus saith the Lord. And how many of you know we're responsible when God does speak, Thus saith the Lord? How many of you know that? You're going to be held accountable for every word of God that He spoke to you. You're going to have to give an account. I am too. And so we're to hear from God. And then the next thing write the vision, make it plain. Because you need to understand what God shows you. Write it down the best you can. Put it in your journal. Because we are forgetful people. How many of you know that? We forget things. So write it down. If God spoke it to you, you should have the honor of being able to write it down. And then it says, you know, write it down so others can read it. Now, not everybody is going to read what you write. But there will be those that will hear. And so you need to make it plain. The vision. And then he goes on. He says, remember, it is for an appointed time. How many of you know what an appointed time is? It's the time that God has chosen, not the time you've chosen. Disappointments will often lead to the divine appointments in our life. How many of you found that to be true? How many of you have been disappointed in the last week? Well, the disappointments are getting you ready for God's divine appointments. You've got to go through them in order to get to the will of the Father. And it's just part of God's plan Remember, it's for an appointed time. And then He says, at the end it will speak. Say, it will speak. What God has spoken to us will come to pass. His Word will be proven, faithful. God is faithful. And then it says, at the end it will speak. Now listen, Proverbs 20, verse 21 says, An inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed in the end. How many of you know that? If something that God has spoken to you comes to pass... At that really moment, I mean, it's like, you know, the Burger King approach. God said it, and then it happens that next hour. It's probably not going to be blessed in the end. God is never in a hurry, but He speaks to us to things that are to come. And then we're to walk by faith, and that's what it says. At the end, it will speak. It will not be a lie. And uh, it's going to happen. And then He goes on and on. Not only will it be a lie, says the rest of it. It says, Behold, the proud, well, let's back up, though it tarries, what? Wait for it. Because it will surely come to pass, it will not tarry. Behold, the proud, his soul, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. The just shall live by his faith. I want us to go to 2 Timothy real quick. Are you guys still with me this morning? I feel like now we got to speak into the atmosphere we need to speak into something you know all liars have their place you know where that place will ultimately be where the lake of fire some people tell us that doesn't exist anymore it's going to exist as long as I read about it in the book As long as I can read the lake of fire will exist you know we can't pick and choose but we've got to be, not only, that's not only the thing, the last thing that Scripture says. It also says all the sexually immoral, all of the idolaters. And there's a whole list there. We should probably read that again. But I want to look at something. Second Timothy chapter 2, and to look in verse 15. It says, Be diligent. Now, who's this speaking to? It's speaking to us. Be diligent. You can't be lazy from here on out. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you've got to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You've got to take up your cross and follow Him. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Approved to who? Approved to God. Who are you going to stand before on that day of judgment? You're going to stand before God. You're not going to stand before a man. Hey, Dylan, catch this. Thank you. Man, it's getting hot in here. I didn't know, know, I wore a tie today because I had to have a picture. But normally I wouldn't wear it. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The, oh, what's the word of truth? It's God's word. But shun profane. And idle babblings, for they will increase to, to more ungodliness. In other words, we're not worried about the babblings of men. We want to be focused on the word of God. You rightly divide the word of God. And all men are liars unless they agree with what God's Word has said. And so it goes on, it says, profane shun uh, profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Verse 18, who have, there will be those who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection has already passed. That was the, the specific thing in that day. And they will overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, say nevertheless. The solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of Christ do what? Depart from iniquity. So everyone that names the name of Christ... You're not to continue living in your sin. You're to depart from iniquity. There's to be a difference in those who claim to know Jesus from those who just are living in the world. Is that right? And the Lord's going to require that in this hour. And then he goes on and, and says, uh, verse 22, flee youthful lusts, but pursue what? Righteousness, faith, love, peace with all those who call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. Verse 25, in humility correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. And then he goes on. And then chapter 3, I I don't know if if you understand this, but it it, it says that there's some things we're to look out for in this day. But know this, that in the last days, what kind of times are coming? Perilous times. Men will be lovers of themselves. And then it goes on in verse 2, they'll be unholy. Unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control. Verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying what? Denying its power. Now, what does that mean, denying the power? The power of a changed life. The power that when you came to Jesus and you came to the cross, that you really did die to yourself. And you're picking up your cross and you're following Him. And there's a new, you're a new creation. It doesn't mean that... You've become perfected, but it means that old things are passed away and you've got a new course. Remember what the Lord said, those that came to him, those who wanted to be baptized, you've got to go bear fruit worthy of repentance. Now, there's one thing I believe that God is saying in this hour, if we're going to carry his name. Can I just share with you? I'll never forget this story. If you're going to call yourself a Christian in this hour... It's the story of Alexander the Great. I think I've shared this. You remember. We may have shared it at a young man's meeting. But Alexander the Great was a great general, never lost a battle. But one thing he couldn't stand was a coward. And one day, a soldier was brought to Alexander the Great. He was accused of running from the battle. He was accused of being a coward. And we know that in that Scripture in Revelation, it not only has a coward, it also speaks of sexually immoral. So he brings this man before him and he asks him his name. He says, Soldier, what is your name? The man said, Alexander, sir. He had the same name as Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great was stunned. He said, What? What is your name? My name is Alexander, sir. He said, What? What is your name? Soldier, what is your name? He said, Alexander, sir. And he's trembling. About that time, Alexander the Great drew his sword, knocked the man to the ground, the soldier, stuck his sword at his throat and said, Soldier, change your conduct or change your name. And you know what that scripture just tells me? Let those who name the name of Christ depart from iniquity. I want to just say this. Because I'm going to stand before God one day. God has not given leaders grace to continue in their sin just so the lost will be saved. Can I show you what real grace is? Because if you heard that, that is a perversion of grace. Now look over in Titus. Titus. And here's real. Say, I want to know what real grace is. Because there's a perversion of grace today that says you can live in sin... And be all right with God. Everything will work out. You have a secure home in glory. And living in sin. And yet you read Revelation and it says all liars, all sexually immoral, all idolaters, all, and the list goes on and on, will have their part in the lake that burns with fire. So anyway, we better know what grace is. Because there are going to be people... They claim to know Him, but they deny the power thereof. Well, what are they denying? They're denying the power of God to transform the life. Look at this, verse 11. Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God, say grace, that brings salvation. So this is the kind of grace that gets you saved. How many of you think this is probably the kind of grace we ought to know about? It's the kind of grace that doesn't make you a super saint. It just gets you in the kingdom. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Okay, so what does that mean? Verse 12. It teaches us, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live. Now, does it mean live when you get to heaven? Live now, live on the earth, soberly, righteously, and godly. We're in the present age. In the present age. And when you live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, then you can look for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what verse 13 says. And then look what it says in 14. Who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us. Say, redeem. From some sin. Is that what it says? Every lawless deed. Does He stop there? And purify for himself, who? His own special people. How many of you think you're special? You are. You're special. So what does he come to do? Purify us for what? As a trophy to the world? No, as a testimony to himself. That's what it says. Every lawless deed and purify for himself, his own special people, zealous for good works. And then, if you doubt, you should read that verse. Look in verse 15. Speak these things, exhort, and rebuke with all authority. Whose authority? The authority of the Word of God. Let no one despise you. You know, remember that uh, Jesus said, It's not those who call me Lord, Lord. There'll be those who prophesied, the, there'll be those who raise the dead, there'll be those who cast out demons. And Jesus will say on that day, depart from me, I never knew you. And so th- the key is not the works, the key is the heart. The key is the character. Now I'm just reading the Word, I'm not pointing, I'm not picking. I'm just telling you we've got to get ready. And the only way I know to get ready is to get our hearts ready. Todd Smith, when he came here, he told us about a baptism revival that's breaking out in Dawsonville, Georgia. My, my, I know I'd heard about that months before. My first thought was, what do you mean baptism? You know where I grew up. They taught me. You just get baptized after you're saved. It's a, you know, a picture of your death and burial and resurrection. And then God began to show me there's more to this than meets the eye. And many of you, how many of you were a part of that those two nights, many of you. I was this past week, and I'll tell you what happened to me was something that hadn't happened to me in a long time. And I'm so grateful that God would do that. So I remember we were praying here on a Thursday, on a Monday morning, and somebody said they had a vision of a pool. You remember that? They said, they had, was it you? You had a vision of a pool. That was before the baptism service. And God is up to something. I remember when I was in seminary years ago, and I told you this is when I knew God wrote a book, but I didn't know He had a voice. But I, He did have a voice. And I remember the day we're standing out on the shore of Lake Pontchartrain, and I've shared this before with some of you, but, but God spoke to us. We're, we were around, we are having a little prayer time together, and, and I looked at those guys and I said, you know what? God's getting us ready. One day we're going to be a part of the greatest revival America's ever known. And I have wondered about that, and I've debated about that, and I've reminded God about that. Every place I've ever lived, i said, God, is this the place? Is now the time, is this the hour of that greatest move of God, that the nation, or the world, or America? Because I believe it's going to go way beyond the nation. The nations are in a mess today. The nations need God as never before. And I believe it's going to happen. I remember the word Jack Taylor spoke to us. You remember those of you that were here? He said, what happens here will happen in the nation. In other words, we've got to get on with it. Because I remember thinking, Jack, are you sure you meant what you just said? What happens here among us is what's going to affect the nation. Now, maybe he would speak in the church. You know what I mean? I took it literal. I like to take things literal as if God is speaking to me as if I'm the only one in the room. Just the way I've always been. I want to hear, thus saith God to me. But why baptism? Why would God do a baptism revival in this hour? Well, first of all, it offends the religious spirit. It offended me when I first heard about it. I'm just being honest. Can I be honest? I thought, there's no way that could be God. What are you talking about baptism? I was baptized when I was a nine-year-old boy. Well, it's offensive to the religious spirit. Secondly, it's offensive to the super-spiritual. This is what God put in my heart. The people that are super-spiritual will never go that way. Because they believe they have it all. And they know it all. And they're not going to humble themselves. Because that's the third thing. Why baptism? Because it's humiliating. How many of you would agree with me to some? You know what I mean? It's kind of humiliating to stand up there on that big... Some of you had to walk up to the top in front of everybody watching... You know, with your clothes, I don't know how you were dressed, but anyway, slipping into the water, your legs are exposed. You had to get in the water and and be dunked again. It's humiliating. Well, thank God we get to humiliate ourselves. Because those that are proud, God resists. And those that humble themselves, God's going to exalt at the proper time. So anyway, I got in and I'm probably going to do it again because they tell people in Dawsonville, people are being baptized two, three, four, five. And you'll see why. And then the next thing, it's biblical. Now, there's a lot of things. First of all, Todd told us that God gave him a vision of the water that not only are people being baptized in water, they're being baptized in the fire. Holy Spirit and fire. I wonder if that's not what happened to me when I went under the water and went out the other day. We need fire. How are we going to survive the stuff happening? The giants today, they're not just piddling around. These giants today are giants. They're real giants. You're going to have to be on fire to overcome them. You're going to have to have the fire of God. The next thing, it's the washings. And then we found out that there were many washings in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Peter, remember the time when Jesus was washing Peter's feet? Peter said, now you're not going to wash my feet. I'm going to wash yours. He said, well, if I don't wash your feet, you don't even have any part of me. So Peter said, well, not only wash my feet, just give me a whole shower, basically. Wash my hair, my head, you know, wash my hand. Just, you know, we got it. We need some, how many of you know we need some washings today? Over and over. One way we're washed by the water of the Word. That's why we need to focus on the Word. I am losing respect for the words of men. But I'm gaining respect for the Word of God. I've always had that respect. When I got called to preach, I laid the Bible out. I said, God, I believe Your Word. I believe this is the Bible. And I'm going to preach the Word. That's what he said, preach the Word. But also, we've got to understand it's a place of death. Baptism is a place of death. Now, in Dawsonville, everybody that's participating in the baptisms, they all dress in black. Because it's a symbol of death. I don't know if we're going to do that or not. I don't know. We might. Could, I mean, we could. We have black shirts. I don't know. But it's, second, here's another thing. It's ultimately not a, about the baptism. Because you can make the baptism an idol. It's not about that. It's about Jesus meeting people in the waters. And that's where we have to keep our focus in this. People say, they're going to tell us. So, so you're having a baptism revival out there at the gathering. Yeah, we're baptizing folks. But Jesus is meeting people in the water. And He'll meet you if you'll humble yourself. It's something that He's happened. Now, it's just something God's chosen. And then you know what else? Why baptism is because God can do what He pleases. I was speaking with Rodney Yesterday. He's coming to our church. I've been asking him to come for many years. And he's going to come. Rodney Howard Brown, he's going to come. We're going to work out a date. And I talked, I said, Rodney, what do you think about, you know, this Dawsonville, people are being baptized. He said, as long as people are being touched by God. You know, and I knew that's what he was going to say. Now, for a church or anyone to be included in this move of God, what must we do? First of all, you need to be Among the people of God, God has chosen you to be with. And not run out by every offense and every slander and every accusation that comes your way. If you think we've been talked about from here to now, you ain't seen nothing yet. I was in Chick-fil-A the other day, minding my own business, drinking something I probably shouldn't have been drinking. Now, it wasn't bad because you can't get anything bad in Chick-fil-A. But but anyway, I'm just minding my business. And one of the guys who works at Chick-fil-A came to me and said, I gotta ask you a question. There was a lady in here a few days ago, and she was talking about how you were getting ready to slaughter Muslims and that you're part of the Illuminati and And I was I said, really? You mean you mean the Illuminati that people talk about? I I mean how do you respond? I just looked at him, you know, and I just said, you know, young man, you know, Jesus said something about this. He said, it's not a good thing when all men speak well about you. It's better when they don't speak well of you, for they persecuted, so they persecuted the prophets that were before you. So anyway, he's a believer, and he could, you know, he wanted to know my thoughts. And I don't know what Jesus said, bless those that curse you. Break the curses off of you. So I realized, Shirley and I better get busy breaking the curses. You better get busy breaking the curses. If God uses us the way that He really wants to use us, the persecution has just begun. From the religious crowd, mostly. I mean, if you know it, I'm right. You know what I'm talking about. So how are you going to be? If you're going to be involved in a move of God, what must you do in this hour? Number one, be hungry. Be hungry. God, make us hungry. We don't want to be satisfied. We do not. The worst state we could be in in this hour is in a lukewarm state. The state of lukewarmness. We don't want to be there. God, turn up the heat. Whatever it takes, don't let me be lukewarm. I want to be burning hot for you. Because the Lord said, if you're only lukewarm, I'm going to come and spew you out. He's going to spew a lot of people out that thought they were in the main thing. They may have even thought they were the big honchos. God's not into the big honchos. He's into the burning hot little ones that are even some of the most obscure ones. But they carry His name. And they walk in righteousness and holiness. And they hunger. Jesus said, blessed are those if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be what? filled. So we got to get hungry. I'm asking God to make us hungry. I'm going to ask God to, to pour into us a new dose of holy, hungerness. I'll get to holiness because that's the second one. You've got to be holy. You've got to be pure in heart. The pure in heart, they'll see God. So that means not only will they see God in their own lives, they'll see God moving among other lives. They'll see God moving in their city. They'll see God moving. Because if you're not holy, it's like a blindness. And you won't see. You've got to get on the highway of holiness. There's a highway of holiness we've got to get on. I wonder if that highway is completed. I remember as a little boy in Louisiana, my dad, you know, they would... The word was they were going to build an interstate around our city. And my dad, this was way back, he would say, yeah, I believe it. When I see it. And he would say, he had a little way of, you know, and saying they don't mean what they mean. He said, yeah, it's not going to happen until the year 2020. I was thinking about that recently. You know, when my dad said that, 2020 seemed like a long time ago. We're in 2020. Hey, Dad, it's 2020. And the highway still hadn't been built around our city, so... But I can tell you there's one highway that's been built. It's called the Highway of Holiness. And you got to get on it. Don't wait till 2020. Get on it in 2019. Get on it today. Walk on it. How are you going to be holy? Does it mean you've got to dress holy? I don't know if you ever dress holy enough. In fact, most people today dress holy. They have holes in their clothes. So it's okay. That's not what he's talking about. Rend your heart, not your garments. You can have all the garments you want. You're not going to be holy. Jesus is our holiness. He is our sanctification. You die, you follow Him, you let Him live through you. That's the only holy re- re- recipe I know. But you've got to be holy. And then you've got to be humble. We spoke about that. The proud are going to be resisted by God Himself. That's probably not a good thing. How I many of you think it's probably not a good thing to be resisted by God? That's why we have to pray. I would challenge you guys every day, God, search me, try me. Don't let there be any wicked way. God, forgive me of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. God, deliver me from the pride of life. Because pride is deceitful. You don't know when you've moved into pride. So God, deliver us from pride. One way may be this baptism and revival. You know, we just get to do stuff that the religious ain't going to think you're out of. You've lost your mind. You know, a lot of people get saved when they go back in the, in the waters. Because we're going to ask them, Do you know Jesus? Have you been to the cross? Have you been saved? So there's going to be people that's going to be saved right before they get dunked. Now that's going to be pretty cool. It's going to happen. So you humble yourself. Next, we've got to honor Jesus. We honor Jesus. Say, Honor Jesus. We gotta get back the the main reason we've come is to honor him. We don't wanna I mean, yeah, you honor those who honors due, and we wanna be honorable among one another, and you honor. There should be a position of honor. We should be honoring one another. That's but we want to honor Jesus. If you honor Jesus, we can easily honor one another. And then we gotta build him a house, we've got to build him a place. Noah built an ark and was saved. This place out here looks like a gigantic ark. Well, it's time to draw people into the ark. It's time to lift up Jesus. Now, here's three more things. When revival comes, get ready. Why are you preaching on revival? Because that's what we've been getting ready for all our lives. Number one, it's going to be war. Get ready for persecution. Get ready for warfare. If you want, to live, if you want church as normal, you may not want to come here. We don't want churches normal. I don't want churches normal. And I'm going to do all I can to run from it. From here on out, God's not going to allow us to have churches normal. He's shaking everything that can be shaken, so that the only thing remains is that which He's built. So revival is a war. Secondly, it's what we've been waiting for. And then thirdly, and finally, it's our own choice. We've got to want it. Now we need a whole army. In this hour to get ready. You know, there's been a sifting, there's been a purging. That's all part of God's plan. But we got enough to have a great awakening in this room. We need people that's going to help baptize. We need two baptismals. Some people waited, what were you, two and a half hours or so. We need another one. Now, I don't know if we can put another one in this floor because it might go crashing down. You know, I I spoke with a pastor from Louisiana. You know what he did? He went to Walmart and bought a a swimming pool. They set up a swimming pool in his church. In fact, they got a swimming pool in Dawsonville, Georgia. They have the baptismal on one side and the swimming pool on the other. Jerry went to the swimming pool. Shirley and I went to the real baptismal. Because I thought, well, if I'm going to do it again, I want the real thing you know, that's, that's what I thought, but God probably thought, that's ridiculous. You know, it's not about the real thing. It's about me touching your life. But I have to wonder, would I have had that same kind of encounter in that swimming pool? I would have. Because Jesus was the one. I wasn't there to be... Not some act I'm doing. It was I wanted to meet Jesus. I wanted to be washed. I asked Him, God, wash me of everything anybody's ever said. Anything I've ever said... Lord, anything I've ever done, anything anybody's ever done to me or wanted to do to me, I bet there have been some people, God, that wanted to do something to me, but they didn't get the opportunity. So, God, I just want it all washed away. I want it washed clean. Vessels of honor in the house of God. I I could have kept reading over in 2 Timothy, but it said, In every house there are vessels of honor and there are vessels of dishonor. Therefore, cleanse yourself So that you can be a vessel of honor in the house of God. Isn't that right, Adeline? She's agreeing. So we want to be ready. We're going to even get um, some scrubs. Because they had scrubs. They even had underwear you could put on. Now, you didn't give it back. It was tear-away underwear. Disposable underwear. Because when I took mine off, they tore. And I thought, oh no, they're not going to be able to use this again. No, anyway, I'm not... No, you don't use it again. I'm not meaning to be funny. I'm just... Anybody can do it, yeah. People, no barriers. If you didn't come prepared, you could be. So we got to buy a bunch of scrubs. And somebody's already given us... Ricky and his... They've already given us a bunch of scrubs. Small, medium, large, and extra, extra large, because Jerry needed an extra, extra large. And I just got a medium. Hmm? Okay, good. He's, uh, he's not in here. That's good. <laughs> He'll hear about this later. I think I've already messed up. But we've got to get ready. Are you guys, how many of you will help in this move of God that's coming? I need to see a show of hands. That's a bunch of people. we got enough. we got security. You know, we're going to, Isaac, we got plenty. Our security guys, we're ready. We've got to figure it out. We may want to set up a pool downstairs. I don't know. Because we have showers downstairs. We've got to get ready. So Todd is coming October 3rd and 4th. What do we do between now and then? We Get ready. We just get ready. Because if that many came on that Thursday and Friday night, how many are going to come on this Thursday and Friday night, you know, when we do it again? And uh, so, anyway, I don't know how you end up this message. Hmm? Oh, this is cool. Now, you know where we're going to go. So instead of going to Uganda, I, Mark is going to Uganda. He's still going. He's, he's, already take, he's already got it. He didn't get a word of knowledge like I did about the yellow fever shot. He got it a long time ago. and No big deal. And the young man from Columbia is going. So they're going to carry the torch. We're going to Washington, D.C. You know what they're going to do on the mall? They're going to set up a baptismal on the mall, and, wa- and have baptism in Washington, D.C. Now, I understand they're still waiting for the last approval from somebody that has to give. If they go to Trump, he'll give them approval. He'll be, he, Trump, he'll give them approval. Now, you know the Park Service, I don't know, but they have to get the final approval. But I, I, surely and I said, if they're going to baptize folks on the mall of Washington, D.C., I'm going to be there. And i told todd i'll help we'll help in any way we can you know we don't care we'll help with the crowd just stand back and pray god wash washington dc i mean this would you almost can't think of this you have something else surely tell me you might as well this is a meeting well what came to my mind if there is actually a baptism on the national mall that that is the beginning, could be the catalyst of national repentance. Yes. Because somebody told me close to the president that they are debating calling a national day of repentance. And we've been, we've been praying for that. We've been praying. So anyway, we probably need to get out of here before I get in more trouble. You got a word. Oh, yes, it is September the 13th and 14th. That's a, is that a Friday and Saturday? And then, I don't know what's happening Sunday morning. But anyway, you know, I tried to touch on what's going on with that situation. I'm trying not to point fingers. I tried not to. I'm just reading the Bible, okay? You understand? So I'm not taking sides. Don't go out saying David is on this side or that side. I'm on God's side. I'm on God's side and I'm gonna pre I'm gonna read the word regardless. Because I'm not gonna I am not going to i am not my salary's not being paid by man, my salary is being paid by God. I'm gonna stand before God, I'm gonna give an account, so I have to speak the truth. But anyway, we didn't want to go too much into that, but we had to because it's on everybody's mind. And the ultimately thing that I think about that is God is shaking everything that can be shaken, and judgment is beginning at the house of God. So it must be getting ready for the judgments that's going to come upon the earth if it's coming upon the house of God. So during this little time that we have, we need to get right with God. We need to make sure our garments are spotless, our hearts are as pure as can be. The only way is to go back to the cross, go to the shed blood of Jesus, and cry out for His mercy and grace. You remember the man on the cross. Remember me. And it's the mercies of God. His mercies are new every morning. And God's going to use a people that's ready... And prepared and broken and spilled out. We don't have it all together. How many in here have it all together? I don't have it all together. But I'm telling you, I know the one that does. And you hang on to Him and you'll have more together than you know. In this hour that God's chosen us to live. And Lord, I thank You for this morning. God, I just bless all of the people that have come, Lord. I thank You. The visitors that have come into this place, Lord. and Wherever they come from and... And God, I thank You for what You're doing in Georgia. I thank You, God, for what You're doing in Louisiana. Lord, thank You that He told me it's a place You could not even find. If He told me how to get there, I probably wouldn't find His church. But God, I thank You we also have a place that's pretty obscure. We're pretty hidden back here. Lord, we're just signing up. We already did this once. We're going to do it again. God, we're saying, yes, here we are. Send us, use us in this hour, Lord. God, help us be ready, prepared for the work that You've purposed for this hour. God, we pray for America. We pray, Lord, let it happen. Let that final approval come in D.C. Let them have baptism on the mall. Lord, we pray, do something in this hour that would astound the world, that would cause congressmen and congresswomen and senators to walk out and be totally in awe of what God is doing in this nation, in this hour. Lord, we pray that if that was real what we heard about a national day of repentance. God, let it happen. Let it come to pass. Lord, we, we've been repenting. We want a national day of repentance, God. For the whole nation, Lord, we pray. Do something that would blow the socks out of hell. God, we pray. Rise up this hour. And be God in the midst again, Lord. And I thank you for everyone now, Lord. I bless Lord, I pray everyone in this place will be encouraged. Maybe they felt like, why did I come this morning into this place? But God, I pray they would You'd fill them right now fresh with the fire of God, with faith, Lord, with favor, that they would know they're favored of God and they would live in the earth by, that the favor of God is upon them in every place they go, in every step they take. Lord, I thank You. You're a good God. A good God. And we thank You And we honor You in this place this morning. Lord, there are people that have risked it all. They've come to hear. They've come here. It's been risky. And they've lost everything. And they're wondering. God, I pray for the vision that, Lord, what You spoke, that in the midst of disappointments now, the appointed time would come. Because You said, it is not a lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. For it shall truly come to pass. And I bless You for it and honor You. In the name of King Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord.